0: Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Members Podcast. My name's Henry Jennings, filling in for Marcus while he is away. And as usual, with all the information contained. In this podcast, it is general advice only, so please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas, or insights in this podcast. All right, well, just a quick update of where we are. It's coming out to 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning. The market is currently up 64 points, or nearly 1%. 69.63 at the moment. So, looking pretty good across the board. The one sector that is not looking quite so good today is the gold sector, which did have a pretty good run yesterday. So, fair to say there is some profit taking there, even though we are seeing uh, record high gold prices at the moment, uh, knocking on the door still of 2000 US dollars an ounce. And uh, Aussie dollar record prices there as well, nearly uh, up to that sort of 3,000 level. So we are seeing a good run at the moment in the rest of the market. Some recovery, a sigh of relief in the market overnight, as we did see the US markets stabilize and go better. European markets also stabilizing and a little bit better, not quite in the same league as the US, but certainly a little bit more stability creeping in. Few interesting events though around the place this morning. We do have Mincor, which MCR is the stock code. There, it's up 41.35%. The interesting thing there is Wailu, which is the Andrew Forrest private company, has bid for Mincor. Uh, they have bid uh, $1.40 for the pr- the uh, nickel producer. Now, Mincor is an interesting one. $760 million that places the valuation on it. Of that, but Wailu already owns nearly 20% of that 19.99% of Minkor, and IGO also owns around 7% of Minkor. And that is, um, that could be a potential stumbling block for Wailu, and it may have to raise uh, their bid slightly. Minkor currently trading at 147 and a quarter. And uh, clearly the market believes that another bid will have to be made an increased offer or that maybe even potentially the IGO would come back to buy uh, Minkor, one of the few pure nickel plays out there, along with um, Panoramic. And I guess you could put Poseidon Nickel into the same camp, of which Marcus does hold uh, quite a few of those. Both are better this morning and we do see uh, a little bit of a rise in Panoramic. They're up 4%. And Poseidon Nickel as well uh, is up uh, nearly 3%, 2.86% for Poseidon Nickel, 3.6 cents. So hardly the stuff of dreams. Sorry, Marcus. Obviously, there are some attractions in Minkor. It has a dominant land package in the area, the Kambowda Precinct, which was broken up some years ago by Western Mining. Wailu first got into Minkor in 2019. So it's been around there lurking in the background for a little while. So uh, it is of strategic value, uh, that is for sure, uh, with those Campbell and Nickel operations from BHP starting up as well, and it has offtake agreements to supply BHP. So plenty going on in that sector, it could kick off a bit of a round of consolidation. The other news this morning is that uh, No Hope or uh, New Hope has come out with their results and a special dividend, so that's some, some uh, joy for the coal sector. And we are seeing a lot of uh, bounce back in the resources today, at least at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock rather, uh, with uh, Fortescue up 1.5%, BHP up 1.8%, of course. And we're also seeing a little bit of buying coming in for the oil and gas sector, although the oil price is hardly uh, stunning. It was up a little bit last night, having fallen in Asian trade. The banks, though, the bedrocks. Uh, of the market. Macquarie up 2.6%. In the strategy piece this morning, I wrote about Macquarie and their ability to always make the best out of a crisis. Never let a good crisis go to waste, as Sir Humphrey would say in the S Prime Minister. So there is a possibility there that they will do well out of this. The Macquarie team has been on a three-day US road tour in the US talking to a lot of institutions about Macquarie asset management, of which... Uh, Macquarie, of course, is the king in terms of uh, their asset management business. It is a massive business for Macquarie, and they do it very, very well. Of course, risk is a major part of their DNA, and making sure that they are not having too much risk is just embedded in their DNA. Risk management is crucial. I'm in the middle of reading the latest, on the only, I think, Uh, book on Macquarie, The Millionaire's Factory at the moment, and you can see uh, the importance that uh, subsequent um, CEOs have placed on risk management over the years. But as I say, never let a crisis go to waste for Macquarie. And it is possible, of course, that UBS now merging or taking over or bailing out or whatever you want to call it with Credit Suisse will leave one of their competitors a little bit distracted. It's going to take some years for UBS to work out what they've got, how to deal with it. Even just to go through the books is going to take some time. So it could be that UBS is a little distracted. It could also be that some potential um, companies that are looking for UBS for advice, looking for UBS to act in their behalf, uh, could be a little more circumspect, given that they have taken on the Credit Suisse uh, business. So it may play into Macquarie's hands. And as I say, risk management is a major factor there. The stock does look as if it's trying to find a bit of a bottom around 170 bucks. It has fallen a long, long way down from around $195. It did hit 168 yesterday, but we are up 2.2.5% today. Uh, but Macquarie very much at the forefront there of that asset management business. And as I say, There is that roadshow going on at the moment. Well, it was a three-day roadshow in the US, but I'm sure they're still talking to institutions. America is very much the promised land, of course, for Macquarie. 38% of the group's operating profit comes out of America, and that is up from 22% at the end of 2017. So they also have a big, big cash position as well. They've got cash burning a hole in their pockets, and they are invested across a broad spectrum of deals and companies in the US under that Macquarie asset management banner they've got 67 billion in private assets alongside 284 billion in public investments so it's good to have a competitor distracted clearly the team in the US uh, is still out and about talking and has not commented i guess publicly about the risk management side of things with credit suisse And for the moment, Macquarie does look as if it's got some interest for uh, punters. Of course, anything could happen, and things do change pretty quickly at the moment in financial services. But Macquarie, as I say, that strong risk management culture. Looking today as well at the, uh, I guess, one of the themes in strategy is the ability of uh, the hunter-killer submarines. And of course, these are the things that go looking for weakness And they are looking for weakness at the moment in the market. First Republic is on their list at the moment. That stock dropped quite considerably last night. Again, despite the big US banks looking to bail them out and put in money as deposits for 120 days. Those hunter-killer submarines, the rumor operators, the guys that are out there looking for weak companies to attack, certainly still out there. And it's possible that Credit Suisse are not going to be the last of their targets. There's certainly plenty of European banks and I could name a few but I won't but there are certainly plenty of European banks both German and Italian which would be lined up in the periscope I suspect of some of those hunter killer submarines. So uh, this crisis if it is a crisis is not over yet it could be a rolling one but for the time being today at least we are getting some bounce back from that big drubbing we saw yesterday. At one stage yesterday I did think that we might see The index actually turned positive for a while, but then the Asian markets kicked in and we did see the commodity stocks fall hard. Today we're seeing lithium stocks bounce quite hard. Uh, Certainly the Mincor deal will not uh, be a hindrance to that bounce, but um, at the moment it is uh, banks and resources leading the charge higher, which is uh, at least good news. Other things today in Henry's take. Just did a little bit on Linus. Linus is an interesting one. It has fallen a long, long way as well. There are two issues, I guess, that have uh, precipitated this fall in the Linus share price. Currently trading at $6.40, which is up 2.9% for the day. But there have been two issues with Linus. One, of course, is their Malaysian license, which although was extended, they still have a problem with importing and processing into uh, the Malaysian plant, the, the answer to that for Linus has been their uh, processing plant in WA but um, unfortunately there are some market concerns that that will not be in ready in time and the July 1 deadline when they have to stop uh, what they're doing in Malaysia in terms of the processing and importation there uh, which was hoped that their processing plant in WA would be ready is one of the risks that it isn't ready and they will start to lose production. So that is one of the reasons why they have been under uh, assault recently from the market. The other reason, of course, is that we have had the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, talking about substituting rare earths in electric vehicle car batteries. Certainly something that he's aiming for because he is not a happy bunny when it comes to the amount of control that China has on rare earths. They do account for 65% of the mining of rare earths and 85% of the refining of rare earths. And he is looking to put different types of magnets into the electric vehicles. Uh, Ferrite magnets are one possibility. Uh, These are made of iron and mixed with materials like barium and strontium. They're much cheaper and widely available, but there is an issue with weight and efficiency. The upshot does seem to be, no matter what Elon Musk does with his motors and rare earths, there is still going to be a substantial demand for rare earths going forward. One research house has forecast the market for magnet rare earth oxides in 2035 will reach 36 billion US. That's about 10 times where it is currently. So it is not just about electric vehicles. There is also uh, direct drive wind turbines as well, although electric vehicles are the most dominant uh, with seven kilotons uh, per 10 million battery electric vehicles needed and 5,000 tons of uh, rare earths per 10 million hybrid electric vehicles needed. So certainly there is still uh, an issue with demand if everyone went to uh, new style batteries. Linus has just signed a new agreement with Japan, Australia, Rare Earths, J-A-R-E, which has been a long-time supporter of Linus, as many of you will know, and has basically funded them. And and during their dark days, when they were really struggling, Linus uh, was very much embedded with the Japanese, and they were very big supporters of the company. Under this new agreement, JAR, J-A-R-E, will contribute around 200 million bucks and write off uh, around 11.5 million US dollars in interest payable that is due under the current loan facility jar for doing this gets shares they're going to get 28 and shares now those shares are going to be issued at $7.63 by the looks of it which is an awful long way from where Linus is at the moment so um, there is a possibility we could see Linus push back up towards that level but of course we do have the Malaysian issue still hanging over for July 1 and the plant in WA to come on stream, which is the big risk. Strong balance sheet, but they do have capex for Mount Weld as well. Uh, But um, there certainly could be some catalysts out there for a bit of a re-rating and a bit of a push higher, as I say. That one has been under some pressure for some time, uh, mainly with the Malaysian licence and this move by Musk. So there's two stocks to keep an eye on, Macquarie. Certainly is one that deserves consideration if you're feeling a little brave at the moment. Uh, it has bounced nicely off $170, back up to $172 at the moment. So there is certainly potential there. Uh, we have got that uh, Investor Tour, which did conclude apparently on the 9th of March. So has been a little bit uh, in the distant past. Uh, Not quite as recent as I had originally thought. But uh, certainly the focus is on Macquarie Asset Management there. The other big event, of course, that's happening this week is the FOMC meeting, which is uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in US time. So we get the announcement on Thursday morning. It will be kind of crucial. The questioning and the line of questioning will be interesting. It does look as if the most uh, consensus view is 25 basis points. But then we will be interested to see what Powell has to say. Now, part of the problem at the moment with financial stability and uh, trying to calm investors' nerves is that there is a moratorium on Fed heads out and about talking to CNBC or Bloomberg or whatever media channel uh, between um, two weeks before the FOMC meeting. So that means that there has been little said by the likes of Neil Kashkari or Mary Daly or any of the other Fed heads out there. That all, of course, finishes on Thursday our time when we do get uh, comments from the Fed there. 25 basis points does seem the most likely. A pause would, uh, I think, mean that they are a little bit too rattled. And uh, that would send maybe a negative s- signal to the market. And I think a 50 basis points may be a little overkill at the moment. Bearing in mind, the Fed has a couple of mandates, financial stability and price stability. And it's no use having price stability if it has sacrificed financial stability. So they are in a quandary. 25 basis points would seem to be the middle ground across the tightrope there. We also have RBA minutes out this morning. Looks as if nothing too scary from the RBA Minutes. I must admit the market has kicked a little bit higher. Uh, We're now up 83 points on the back of that. Uh, There's some commentary about uh, monetary policy in restrictive territory and the economic outlook was uncertain. Uh, They said these considerations meant that it would be appropriate at some point to hold the cash rate steady to assess more fully the effect of interest rate increases to date. They noted these lags complicate the task of assessing the outlook for the economy. They also noted as well that some of the economic data coming out recently has been a little bit on the softer side. So that may give the RBA a reason to pause, especially given the backdrop that we're seeing at the moment on the international front with Credit Suisse and First Republic, etc. So that is something to bear in mind. As far as the pause goes, they went on to say members agreed to reconsider the case for a pause at the following meeting, recognising that pause would allow additional time to reassess the outlook for the economy, at which point it will be appropriate to pause will be determined by the data and the board's assessment of the outlook. They are looking at the upcoming releases on employment, inflation, retail, trade and business surveys as the data to guide them towards that pause but it does seem as if from that March the 7th meeting which is going back some time that is uh, two weeks ago that uh, the RBA is certainly thinking more about a pause in proceedings. Even yesterday we saw uh, the uh, Assistant Governor Christopher Kent, Clark to his mates, uh, talking about lags in the system. He did a uh, speech where he talked about long and variable monetary policy lags. So that's certainly something the RBA is looking at because it is aware that there is a lag in the system. Anyway, well, that's it. As I say, the market is a tickle better on the back of those RBA minutes. Nothing really has changed uh, except everything is still looking a little bit better. Still, the resources is doing well and the banks driving things higher. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great day.